0: This is Hope FM. Now, our very special guest uh, today has been doing quite a bit of work, as I said at the top of the programme in uh, in Tanzania. But before we start, uh, a very good morning to you, David.
1: Ah, good morning, Blair, and thank you for inviting me on the program.
0: Now, now tell us something about your, your early days. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the journey that, uh, that you started, the work, your work overseas. But, but before we get there, tell us something about how you came to faith uh, you know, in the first place.
1: Uh, well, just to give uh, a bit of context to the background, I was born in Australia and uh, my mother was German, my father was uh, a Serb from Yugoslavia. Uh, they got divorced early on, and my dad brought me up and then returned to his home country of uh, Yugoslavia, in, to Belgrade. I was 14 at the time, and I had—I didn't know the expression cultural uh, shock, but I certainly had it, and I was miserably unhappy for about two years. Uh, I didn't know the language, and I had to learn it. Uh, so my dad, seeing how uh, unhappy I was, he sent me uh, to England when I was uh, 17. Uh, he didn't have much money, but he had enough uh, from his work in Australia to send me to a relatively uh, not-too-expensive boarding school in, in, in Chard in Somerset. And I had no religious background, upbringing, whatsoever. and But I remember on uh, the first evening, uh, arriving at the school, talking to the headmaster, and I said to him in, in the course of the conversation, the first thing I want to do is get a Bible. And I don't know, but to this day, I cannot s- explain where that came from, except it was somehow God's grace. Clicking something, inspiring something in me, and uh, true to my word, there was uh, a lad there who had an old uh, Bible, and so I bought it off him. I think for two shillings. This was back in this would have been uh, 1968, and I was 17, and I read the the Gospels, and I read them again, I read them again, and. Loved the person of Jesus, uh, how he dealt with the hypocrisy uh, of, of men, but had no idea um, whether he was God's son, uh, whether he was alive today. No idea. And how do you know? And the, the people around me at that time who professed religion or Christianity, I asked people, how do you know? And one person said, well, I don't know, but I believe. That I didn't find satisfactory. And the encounter I had with those who were professing Christians uh, nearest around me uh, rather discouraged me and disappointed me. Uh, And I could see from reading the Gospels, they weren't really believers. That's what I believed about them, having read the Gospels. But I was uh, very I just got discouraged, and I started reading. What grew in me, uh, on the one hand, was I found, uh, as it says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And uh, as, an old, as a growing teenager, well, 17, 18, 19, life became more and more empty for me, because I saw every, unless you know why you're on earth, I, I, don't see, I couldn't see how you could be happy, how you could be fulfilled in just spending your time enjoying things when at the end there might be just nothing, nothing or there might be a God to whom you might be accountable. So um, it wasn't just intellectual inquiry. There, there was a drive in me to, uh, which I understand to be the grace of God uh, working in me. But I guess
0: your experience would ref- your your experience would reflect a lot of people' experience. You know, sometimes you know uh, you know in, in the early years, even in adult years, you know, searching, searching, maybe not even yeah. knowing uh, what they're searching for, but knowing that maybe what they're experiencing in terms yeah. of faith is just not quite the real thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I very briefly, I started to read philosophy, to, uh, philosophers. I saw to see if I could find anything there. Then there was, I saw that there were as many philosophies as philosophers. So I thought, if there's a God, he's got to be absolute. So I turned from the wisdom of men to uh, more m- mystical avenues, uh, Buddhism. And I tried transcendental meditation for about 18 months. That seemed to help. But in, in the end, uh, everything failed. And life itself Got a burden to me. Um, And it so happened that uh, I was spending a a Christmas vacation with a Christian couple, and they were the first couple that I met who had uh, a a living faith, a faith that affected their conversation, their conduct, uh, the direction of their lives. And while I was with them, what happened was I thought I was willing to sit in a lotus position and meditate on an apple for uh, half an hour, an hour, to try and reach some superior state. And I thought, well, maybe this God, if he is God, the one one I read about in the Gospels, maybe he doesn't let himself be judged. Maybe he does want me to accredit him (laughs) with truth. My problem was, uh, as as you mentioned, for many people, how do you know which way is the truth? Which way? Uh, you can't just suddenly decide. Uh, but I, this is the thought that came to me. Maybe he is God and doesn't allow himself to be put in the dock. So I just got on my knees and I just told Jesus um, that... I was just open, honest with him. I said, I I don't know if you're risen from the dead, but if you want me to believe that, I'm ready to believe that. I don't know about the virgin birth, but if you want me to believe that, I'll believe that. I probably did that with two or three things, and then I thanked him for dying for my sin. Now, I didn't need any convincing that we are sinners knowing my own heart and the bitterness, the the, the, the hatred I had, uh, the uncleanness. I I didn't need a theological uh, treatise or anyone to preach to me that I was a sinner. Knowing my heart, I could understand that someone like the Son of God would need to die for me to change that and cleanse me. So I thanked him uh, for dying for me, to forgive me. After that, i didn 't consider myself a Christian. Uh, I just left it with God and it was uh, the next day, I was going down the stairs uh, at, the, at the house I was staying in, and I suddenly stopped midway and uh, I just knew that Jesus Christ was the Son of God and that I was his, and that is a knowing that you can't explain it doesn't result from from you know, someone convincing you, giving you arguments. Uh, it Like uh, Jesus said to Peter, you're blessed, Peter, because flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And that's what it was like, uh, not having been convinced by rational argument, but uh, by humbling myself and believing him uh god just comes and in a sense reveals himself to you in a way that is indisputable uh that that was the, then the beginning uh of my as it were a uh, christian life there
0: Sorry about that. My mobile phone is going off. I'm just switching it off.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I'm going to have to trust you to interrupt me if I get too long. You know. But well, to be uh, quite
0: honest, you know, you were in quite of a flow there, and clearly, you know, uh, it was it was I was riveted to what you were saying because I think also it reflects the experiences of many many people. You know that that somehow there well a lot of people are searching for the truth and not knowing you know what what the truth actually is. Uh, mm. But of course, you know, as you were saying, you had something. Experience of a direct revelation from 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 God. To, to what extent did other people uh, help you? You know, in in those early days, or, or, or did you find that there were too many people that that you personally could could rely on for you know, pointing you in the right direction or giving you some tips as to how you might find God for yourself?
1: Well, as I said, up to that time, apart from that Christian couple I was staying with, there was no one. I even went to the local vicar before that time uh, with another school friend, because we had long debates about this. And we went to the vicar, and uh, he was all very polite. After about 20 minutes, I said, look, can we get down to what, what I've, we've come for? And I, I pressed him, how can I believe? How do, you, how do you know there's a God? And he said, well, there has to be a first cause for everything. Well, I'd already read that in Aristotle uh, about the first cause, so I didn't find that very helpful. Uh, In the end, uh, I, as a a non-Christian, as an unbeliever who was seeking, I got so frustrated with his answers that I said to him, look, for you, I am a a, a black sheep. You're meant to bring me to Jesus. Uh, Mm. But there was no... Uh, there was no pointers, uh, and it was one of the reasons I veered off to, uh, uh, in other directions, but it was the couple I was staying with, as I said. Um, yeah. uh, their faith was was uh, evident. Now, I, I suppose part of my journey, uh, this is where it might differ from, differ from others, I I knew Jesus was risen. I I I, I knew He was my saviour, and uh, on that first night I had peace within. I went to bed and for the first time. I thought I've got peace.
0: This is Hope FM. Of course, David, your your testimony was pretty much about how, Although you had the support of those lovely people that you were living with, uh, that that you had that almost that. that personal revelation direct from God himself, giving you that assurance that, that in fact that you, you, were, you were his. Yeah. Uh, how, yeah. did, how did things progress from then? Did, did it get better in terms of, of support?
1: Well, what, in terms of support, uh, what is truly significant, which I, I'd have to mention because everything f- flowed out of that um, although I had peace, as I said, peace in my heart. Uh, did I pray? No, I, no, I didn't. Uh, but I thought, I, I'm a Christian now, I, I, I should read the Bible. And I've, I'd read the Gospels, so I started to read the next book, which happened to be the Acts. I read chapter 1, I read chapter 2, and that was it. I couldn't make head or tail of it. I had no understanding. It was just beyond me. And I I, at that time I went to see another teacher was during the vacation time and gave him sort of my testimony up to then. Then he gave he gave me a book, which actually was uh, a a denial of the virgin birth. It seemed to make sense to me. Uh, uh, Looking back now, uh, uh, I, I see it totally different. But what it's important, I suppose, in my journey, so significant uh, that I turned to the Lord. I had an, I had an inward knowledge that He was alive, that He'd forgiven my sins, but things were not alive, as it were, in me. Um, and the next, the only thing that came to in, I didn't pray for for several. It didn't bother me that I didn't pray. I was just glad that the Lord had revealed himself to me, but what was one thing that was really in my head and heart was I must be baptized. Now, this Christian couple went to a, a church that I'd been with them once, but I found them rather emotional. But they did baptize by total immersion, and having read the Gospels, as I understood it, Jesus was baptized by total immersion in, in the River Jordan. So I, I acquiesced to go back a second time to be uh... baptized by total immersion uh... this was at the end of the uh... uh... uh christmas vacation so i was baptized in water uh, and then uh... someone came up to me who i had met at this couple's house um, and they said you know what your next step is i said no and i was i was very uh reserved i thought it was, uh, maybe they want to rope me in to their way of doing things and the person said baptism in the holy spirit and i re- i remember i th- that wasn't i remember reading that in acts chapter two so i said okay i had no understanding of anything <laughs> and so two people prayed for me to be baptized in the spirit and uh, i didn't know what ex- to expect Uh, But they encouraged me to say something. Uh, So, okay, as they were playing, I tried to speak, and my tongue stumbled. And I leapt back as this flow of language came forth. I wasn't, in that sense, trying to repeat or produce syllables. It just flowed. And that evening, it was easier for me to speak in tongues than in English. Uh, And what happened on that evening was I believed in the Lord. But on that evening, it was like, I mean, heaven came down and glory filled my soul, as the song says. It was the presence of Christ himself coming into me, making me so aware of of his presence of his goodness i was overflowing with joy and peace i mean it was it 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 was uh, you know to use the expression out of this world um and it was most definite experience the next day i had to go back to school i had a study bedroom it was the most natural thing for me to get down on my knees, I prayed in tongues, I prayed in English, I prayed for, for other students uh, um, at the boarding school, who some of whom then uh, later did uh, turn to the Lord and got saved. It was just natural to pray, uh, to pray in an extended way. And then I opened my Bible, and it was like someone turned the light on. I read Acts Chapter 1, chapter I started reading and reading and reading. I read through the New Testament. And I suppose one way, the best way to explain it is like someone turned the light on. It all made sense. It was drink to me. It fed me. It blessed me. So with regards to support, I must say on that evening when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was the support of the Holy Spirit that dramatically changed my christian life so but that when i went to university i had uh, uh, quite a, a bit of free time and i spent hours and hours over weeks and months just uh, absorbing uh, the scriptures so wh- the new testament and, and then the old testament Sorry, yes, carry on.
0: I was just going to ask, what What did you go to university to study, David?
1: Well, I I originally had applied uh, for literature, German literature. Uh, uh, that was before I was uh, converted, because I thought, I, I simply chose, I, I love mathematics, but I chose literature. I thought if I read literature, it might help me f- discover people who'd found God. But when i was converted I, I had no interest in literature anymore because math was my thing but i'd got a place for german literature uh, at a university college in, in in wales so i had to s- choose a subsidiary t- subject so i did um german and theology
0: and that's what I studied. So, so that was fundamental because obviously, as we will talk a wee bit later in, in the program, uh, you know, obviously, languages have become very, very important to you. And uh, I know, yes. I know that you speak Swahili, <laughs> but yes. uh, but I guess that those early days, those formative training. So, was university life then a a really positive experience for you for what was to follow?
1: Yeah, yes, I think. I mean, in the end. Uh, 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 I had to discipline myself to to you know give myself to uh, to study my academic study, studies responsibly <laughs> and and faithfully uh, but it was a time of of uh being grounded in, in God's word in the scriptures uh and, uh, yeah, they were very blessed days, in, in, indeed.
0: And were, were you uh, able to find good fellowship? I mean, obviously, you, you, you explained earlier on about being baptised uh, in, in the church. During those those formative years, did, did you find a, a, a good church and other people at university who, who you could fellowship yes. with?
1: Yes. In fact, there, there was an evangelist called Peter Scotland at that time, about 1971, and the, he was holding evangelistic uh, meetings around uh, in Wales, and, and uh, people were being saved. It was quite a little move uh, of God. And people got saved in Lampeter, where I was. People had been praying uh, in a little church, uh, and people were added to the church, were being converted. And so there was a, a, a little church. Uh, some of them were fresh believers, uh, like myself, and um, so it's a lovely little community of believers. It wasn't a big church. But, yeah, uh, so I attended this, that, that church on Sundays and uh, at their Bible study and prayer meeting.
0: This is Hope FM. Well, my very special guest uh, today in the program is David Stamen. We've heard about pretty much the direct interaction of God that brought him uh, to faith. Uh, And then, of course, the the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I I guess that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, uh, David, for you more than anything else, brought everything real. I mean, you started off by saying that right in those early days you were just looking for the reality. But I guess that... That that having that experience, and of course you you were given the gift of tongues for for, for yeah. prayer and so, on, that that must have been a great help and support to you.
1: Well, well, yes. I mean, that's what Jesus said. I'll send a, a comforter, a helper, and and that that's exactly what the Holy Spirit is, and that's what He did, and just to the, the real, bring home the reality of these things, uh, like previous to the baptism spirit. In my experience, uh, this chap gave me this book about the virgin birth and trying to deny it, and it seemed to make sense. As soon as I was baptized in the Spirit, I, I, that was water off a duck's back. Uh, the, the reality, the Word of God just became alive to me. And, of course, Jesus was born of a virgin. Um, there is something from in what happened to me when when the Holy when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was a renewal in the spirit of my mind that gave me an uh, uh, understanding beyond the letters on a page. So, when someone tries to deny the virgin birth, uh, sort of through some sort of academic book, it, it doesn't it doesn't touch me uh, because there's a deeper level of things that are spiritual.
0: Um, they say that you know that all that goes before in mm. our experience is a perfect preparation for the future that only God uh, can see. Mm. I want to take you to Tanzania now. Tell me about your 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 first experience. Uh, you know, in uh, in in Tanzania, what was it that took you there in the first place?
1: Well, um, it, it was interesting again for me cause we there was a brother here in Exeter, and he occasionally went to Tanzania. He came back and. Uh, my wife and I loved listening to his reports. And on one such occasion, I came home in the evening, and I thought, well, here's a brother from our church. He goes to Tanzania, he comes back. I enjoy his reports, but uh, that's all it is for me. And I thought, well, here's, here's someone where God has put us in this church. He goes there. And I, I just felt I, I should pray." Uh, as a matter of faithfulness not that i had a burden for tanzania but i just thought we're in the same church this is what the lord has given us in this little local church and uh, just to be faithful i started to pray for the work of god in tanzania and over the months as as i prayed regularly i started to feel i would be going and i remember it was february 1991 where I said to myself, uh, in my head, in my heart, I said, I could buy a ticket now for September. I am going to Tanzania. And this wasn't to do with a desire to go or some burden for international work that I had. Uh, it, it, it was just there. And uh, so I thought, I'm not going to say anything. i certainly not going to invite, write a letter saying, I believe God is calling me. Uh, to Tanzania, to a pastor out there. I just waited, and then this this brother he came. I think it was in June 9, 19, 1991 to our house. My wife was, I think, five months pregnant. She was expecting our third child in September. And he said, "Look, David, uh, I've had a letter. They they've got a new conference of village churches in the Iringa region. They've asked someone from North America. Uh, he sort of let them down." Uh, got a desperate plea. Can I come? I can't go. Can they, we, they send? Can he find someone else? And he said, I could only think of you.
0: Hmm.
1: And I said, Well, what month is it? And he said, September. So I looked at my wife because she was expecting our third child. And uh, to, my, to my amazement, she just said, Well, you have to go, won't you? <laughs> uh, my heart was already prepared. And again, uh, nothing like that had occurred to, occurred to me before or since. It was unique, the way I just thought the Lord was very gracious to me in, in showing me, look, what's going to happen is not just the result of human contact, but it's something that he sort of prepared or planned for me to do. Um, and so I started going in 1991 to Tanzania, uh, to, to preach and to teach in, in churches, and I've been going at uh, sort of, uh, general, basically once a year. Least, uh, now that I'm retired, uh, I try to go twice a year. Mm.
0: Now, you, you obviously you you, you learned the um, the language, which, of course, yeah. uh, I guess going back to your university days that you talked about, you know, earlier on, uh, you were sort of set up for all of that. Now, what's so so healy hard to learn?
1: relatively speaking swahili is an easier language uh yeah i'll keep it short uh, uh there are reasons why but it is an easier language but you are right uh, knowing how language works grammatically uh, helped me a great deal uh, in learning the language more quickly putting the components together and so i can now socially i can speak uh swahili uh difficult to preach Although I lapse in Swahili when I'm preaching out there, it's difficult because of the idiomatic phrases and fluency I, I'm normally interpreted. But socially I speak... Uh, yeah. Swahili with them.
0: Yeah. So tell us something about about the the work in 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 Tanzania. What's what's the spiritual temperature like like there and 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 the people that you that you're working with? I mean, I know, I know you work in the city and so on, but uh, but you were working in the village communities, weren't you?
1: Oh, for years. That's where I started. Yeah, I, I was in the villages, uh, various villages and different areas of Tanzania, sleeping in mud huts uh, loved it.
0: Um, no snakes. Uh, <laughs> n-
1: no, have I, se- I don't think I've seen a snake. No, mm. had to remove scorpions, uh, a couple of times from, from, from uh, my room. Uh, but, but no, no, but I love being among the people and uh, you know, I, I don't, you know, you can't go without learning the language and it, it blesses them when you, when they see you've made an effort, uh, because how can you know the people uh, without knowing the language and uh, uh, the spiritual temperature? Now, that, that is a big question. Um, Christianity is very widespread in Tanzania, as it is in, in quite a few uh, uh, sub-Saharan uh, African countries. Uh, and even in, in a, a, a town or a small smaller town or large village you can find several churches of different denominations uh, and I, I suppose uh, as here in Europe there, there is uh, a mixture of things there is a mixture of things
0: and did, did, I mean, obviously, you work along the the indigenous uh, churches uh, yes. there, and is a lot of your time spent, you know, with pastors out there, training them, helping them, supporting them, as well as obviously directly preaching to in the communities where you find yourself.
1: Uh, um, I at at the moment there is one particular denom- Pentecostal denomination uh, where there is a. A wide open door now and uh a uh, the pastor there, and we are now good friends. I spoke at his little church uh to cut the long story short um the the I got invited to to the archbishop's church to speak there, so that they and this uh uh it's, a, it's one of the Assemblies of God churches out there. They have 5,000 churches. And, uh, and now this pastor, my friend, he's getting so many invitations. Because uh, I spoke, he invited me to speak at a youth conference, and there were other pastors and bishops there from this AOG. And there is just a stream of, of invitations to uh, local churches in Dar es Salaam, uh, ministering in Dar es Salaam is more of a recent uh, occurrence in in, uh, what I've been doing in Tanzania. I had been praying for some years that the Lord would open doors in Dar es Salaam because I'd mainly been in the countryside uh, out in the the scrublands uh, and I just felt to, uh, uh, to pray that the Lord would open things up in Dar es Salaam which has happened over the last three or four years. So This pastor, he's at the moment taking me around various churches. Uh, So I'll speak at individual churches. Uh, Last year we held a a, a pastor's conference, and they want to do that again, Uh, and and for me to speak at another youth conference as well, which I love doing, to have several hundred young people there. Um, So, yeah, when I go, I go for about three and a half weeks, and I speak virtually every day, at least once a day, when I go. And you can't go without giving support, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, because there's there's quite a bit of poverty there, uh, oh, David, isn't there? Yes.
1: M- nearly everyone that I know closely is poor, or very poor, uh, hand-to-mouth existence, and especially at this time um, with uh, uh, the climate uh, is changing and past four or five years crops are regularly being destroyed either by floods or by lack of rain and now with covid uh, the people are really hard pressed so in the past few months apart from other support i've been sending uh, so i've been sending uh, money for food uh, for families yeah, yeah.
0: And are you able to get support? Do people give you money in order to support that, that, that work? Are you able to do what you're doing now, talking about the work and other people recognising, yeah, I'd like to support that?
1: Well, um, uh, I've, I've, I, I've never uh, asked for donations. I've, I've never made an appeal for money, ever. Um, but uh, uh, some of my uh, family give, and uh, some church members. And it's uh, interesting just now with this particularly difficult situation, there's uh, a few other people here in Exeter and within the church who uh, are also giving regularly. So that that has made quite a a change to things and enabled me to help uh, some families. At times I send money for uh, up to 20 families. Uh, but not just token uh, uh, amount of food, but uh, a bit more substantial to keep them going for several weeks. For more inspirational interviews, podcasts and Hope FM best bits, visit hopefm.com forward slash listen again.